This is the Frontier Podcast, powered by Gun.io, the engineer's choice for engineering talent. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at The Frontier Pod. Leon Fayer began his prolific software engineering career some 25 years ago in government contracting, and has since shifted gears to focus on the private sector. His multi-sector experience gives him unique insight into the ways of technology that has come to define every discipline of commerce. After years of founding and running successful startups, Leon now works in consultancy with high-traffic sites such as Wikipedia and National Geographic. His varied work has enabled him to observe the shift in mentality that is now dominating the commercial sphere. Every company is becoming a technology company by necessity. In this episode, Leon joins Ledge to bring his extensive expertise and insight on what's now and what's next. Leon, great to have you on, man. Thanks for joining. Hey, thanks for having me, Ledge. Happy to be here. Fantastic. Would you please just give a little background story yourself, your work? I know you, you've been around for a while, been doing a lot of interesting things. So love to get the audience to get to know you a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I so started, I always knew I wanted to be in technology ever since I was a kid, shockingly enough. Um, so I started rather early. I started pretty much the same time web started around early 90s. I know I'm dating myself here. And frankly, I've done a bit of everything and anything. I've done a bunch of government contracting early on, realized it's not for me just because of the pace. Um, during the first interim boom, done a bunch of startups. Uh, some were more successful than others, as you can imagine. Uh, yeah, and for many, many years, really, I've been doing uh, consulting for the high traffic uh, systems, applications, organization of the world, like uh, talking about Wikipedias, National Geographic, Etsy of the world. Um, so I've got some interesting insight in how the sausage made, so to speak, in some of those <laughs> organizations, both technological and non-technological ones that are powered by technology. Yeah, yeah. And off mic, you and I were talking about, uh, you know, just how you've moved in the the human direction of, you know, high performance systems need high performance organizations or, you know, it's just not going to work. I kind of think of it like pets, you know, like they say, like your, you know, owners and pets start to look the same. And I think like organization dysfunction or, you know, underperforming organizations lead to underperforming systems, you know, always like they, they almost like model the way that the humans have behaved, you know, starts to be embedded into the the software. So I don't yeah. know how you think about that, but, you know, please dive in a little bit. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I think a lot of times the technology is the easiest part of the equation, right? Because uh, there is a multiple way to send the cat. You can use a number of different technologies, especially nowadays when the new database or programming language is getting spun up almost every week, right? Mm-hmm. For better or worse, so let's be honest about it. But still... Uh, but at the end of the day, the technology's role is to support the business, right? And if technology just exists for the sake of technology, then, you know, it's not really required. So approaching a uh, technological aspect from a perspective of how can it support the business drivers and whether that it's revenue or efficiency gains, right, or how we can deliver a better value for the customer is the way to go. Because really, whereas 
even 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, there were technology companies and there were traditional, you know, brick and mortar, back office, IT companies. Nowadays, every company is a technology company. Hmm. Really, so like, you look even at uh, industries that you never thought about as technology. Capital One is a great example. Mm-hmm. It's a huge bank, credit card, and they've been positioning themselves as a technology company recently. So. Yeah, yeah, and there's endless cases now where you kind of yeah. you don't even think about it. But I mean, even manufacturing and like IoT uh, distribution. I mean, right. everything I mean, is being upended. The retail. I mean, forget about it. Like the retail apocalypse. You know, I mean, there's, retail, there's so yeah. much stuff now. Yeah, um, I mean, look at what Amazon has done to its competitor, breaking more competitors, right? I mean, yeah, and how healthcare is about to just freak out if Amazon starts to come in, and exactly. um, you know, ultimately, whether you're moving goods or bits, you know, you, you just yeah. like dominated by software and how yeah. those systems work together. Yeah. Um, Frankly, a fantastic example of that would be media companies, right? Because right. traditional media companies, print, magazines, uh, newspapers, right? Uh, they've all been seeing steadily declining sales over the past decade, probably, right? So some were jumped on the bandwagon, if so to speak, mm-hmm. earlier than others and be more successful where others been dragging behind. So mm-hmm. it is an interesting shift in, uh, in mentality. How, uh, yeah, I mean, how are you advising companies or, you know, talking about high performance organizations? And you talked about like, you know, many times this is a a change management type of paradigm because you're going into a legacy situation, you know, so like all this stuff was there, but it's changing the macro environment so fast that it's putting enormous pressure on these these organizations to you know, think differently and to even staff differently. So you have like all kinds of people issues there. What What's the cutting edge right now? Like, what are you thinking about when you talk to audiences about this topic? Right. So it's interesting. It's actually one of the things that I've been doing for the past couple of months is trying to align the organizational goals with what technology used to be. And uh, oftentimes it's approached purely as a technology problem. Hey, we have a legacy monolith that's been running for the past decade. It's using ancient technologies. So let's spend the next six months. Microservices. <laughs> exactly. We're going to go microservices. We're going to go MongoDB. We're going to go full stack. We're going to wait, wait, serverless. Yeah. Ah, yeah, that's right. We got to go serverless as well. AI, uh, machine learning, Bitcoin, exactly. blockchain. And, <laughs> exactly. You, you need all of those, right, to be cutting edge. And right. uh, you see many, many companies spend, frankly, enormous amounts of money into re-architecting what they have then launching it and, or never launching it really and failing miserably. Well, and not even um, having like the human infrastructure to deal with that and like, you know, DevOps. And I mean, I had another, another guest I thought it was great. He said, you know, look, when you're on the bleeding edge, you're going to bleed. You know, <laughs> that's okay, absolutely that's right. right. I mean, yeah. And a lot of, uh, frankly, when you're bleeding edge, a lot of the immediate, immediate concerns that you have, even on your like technology operational side, is how do you deal how you deal with your SLAs, how you deal with the responses, right? How you deal when something does break? Because if you look at the enterprise software, if something broke, I mean, you didn't have to fix it for month and month, if not longer, because it would come out with the next patch that would just ship on a CD to somebody, right? That mentality has shifted tremendously with the whole mm-hmm. continuous delivery model, because if you're running anything web-related, right, whether it's a SaaS, whether it's frankly even your blog, any changes you make is available to the world, whether you like it or not. 
right? Which means every mistake, mistake that you make is going to be available to the world, whether you like it or not. When every customer has a social media or you know, some way to complain about what you're doing in a public fashion, if you don't fix it right away. Yeah, absolutely. Right. There's a number of uh, tangible like numbers that you can put on the failure, right? It is both monetary and a long-term opportunity loss, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, thinking from a performance perspective, uh, just, I want to say 200 milliseconds of performance improvement increases sales by like a conversion of sales by 7%. That's huge. Yeah. Right. And that's just because people are impatient. Everybody nowadays look around, oh, piece of candy. And uh, if page doesn't load within two seconds, they go to their competitors because thankfully there is a whole bunch of sites that can sell stuff that they need. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of consideration. But again, the, all those considerations come from um, deliver of the end product, right? Which support a certain goal, whether it supports sales, uh, whether it supports inbound leads. Uh, frankly, whether it support customers, right, who are paying money, who are trying to, you know, have a good experience and you want to retain them. So uh, as you're uh, undergoing that rewrite or renovation or whatever you want to call it, frankly, right, technology is great because you will need to support your growing needs because chances are if you're undergoing this, you're already bottlenecked somewhere. But realistically, you will need to rethink your work structure. And more importantly, you will need to rethink your, your whole delivery pipeline, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole concept of value stream mapping that came to us is fantastic in that regard because it forces you to look at each individual step at your delivery chain and say, hey, can we improve this particular one? Can we make this step more efficient? Is this step bottleneck? If somebody goes on vacation, are we completely dead in the water for the next two weeks? <laughs> Not like it ever happens to anybody. Never right? heard of that. Yeah. Uh, but beyond that, right, again, you're focusing on delivery. So the focus should be what is the organizational goal for delivery to their customers, right? And if those are not aligned, then you have a problem. But those are not even defined in some cases. I mean, you could walk into any number of companies and they don't really know what they do. And you're absolutely right. And again, going back to those traditional companies that were not built technology first, they still have a lot of that uh, brick and mortar technology where IT is somebody who sits in a basement, you know, with the lights off. And just I was that guy at a media company. I can tell you how that worked out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen it many, many time and time again. And uh, they're just not used to the fact that technology is the core part of the business now, right? And as such, it needs to be traded to the first class. And there are there are companies that directly sell technology, you know, software companies that actually sell that product. And then there's everybody else who both consumes and sell something that is completely enabled by a software work chain that, that goes through every function of the business. So what we might think of as IT is still, you know, uh, and the broader scale maybe is, uh, you know, shipping and logistics and operations and finance. And, you know, what, maybe what like ERP systems we're trying to do, you know, let's, let's tie everything together. Uh, data-driven marketing, you know, analytics, you know, all this, all this stuff. It's, it's yeah. very hard to escape now. And where we had a series there of, of, you know, big stories where companies would try to sort of peep over over their old school business with technology to make the old system, you know, sort of more efficient. That really didn't maybe grab all the value that was there. It just sort of, you know, added a little bit of sheen on top of the, you know, old pile of operations. Yeah. I, and frankly, like it's, 
interestingly enough, it was a prevailing message with other organizations who tried to adopt DevOps. Uh, and they say adopt DevOps, but in their mind, they wanted to buy DevOps, which yeah. is a cardinal soul in my head. But uh, so many people I've seen that I talked to when I, wa- when I was consulting, when going into organization who was interested, who was willing, it had all the buy-in from the executives. We want to change. We want to go through digital transformation, right? We want to improve our delivery. And I would go in and identify the first bottlenecks, like immediate bottlenecks, which is a wrap that, right? Like your delivery pipeline takes, it takes like, three weeks between a developer uh, handoff to like a consumer, right? We need to solve certain things or you need to add these roles or eliminate this step in the process, whatever that may be. And um, it's a process change effectively, right? It's not a technology change. It's nothing that got to replace. They don't have to go to the cloud, right? Don't have to throw any buzz, but it's literally a process change that you need to do to become more efficient, to improve their productivity, right? To reduce number of errors. And you present those options and you hear back as a- No, oh, we no, just no, wanted no, DevOps. No, no, no. <laughs> We can't, we can't change any of the processes. Right, right. And you're looking at them thinking, was like, well, you want to change, you want to improve, yet you're, you're not willing to change yeah, the right. processes that are but, the bottlenecks, right? It's not the technology. But can't right? we just buy Jenkins? It is your right. <laughs> Funny. It's as if you've done that once <laughs> or twice before. Well, um, you know, look, but, I think everybody comes with the best of intentions, right? You know, and, and I think that's the danger spot is that, that you can read a lot of blog posts and kind of think like, yeah, I ought to do these things. And when the rubber hits the road, it's sort of like, you know, one of the biggest issues that's going to happen is, uh, is wrestling with, um, you know, personnel and, and skill inventory that you might have the best, nicest people who have been around for, you know, a while. Um, but across the organization, they don't um, have a level of skill set. And you might need to invest a year. And if you want to develop those people, you know, fine. Um, or you're going to have to wrestle with the, the difficult decisions of, you know, for replacing humans, which uh, carries a lot more cultural implication and cost. Yeah. Yeah. And frankly, that's how you set a cascade. Well, it, it starts with setting cascading goals, right? So organizationally, right, we want to support a growth, for example, right? Then you move it all down and say, well, to support the growth, what do we need to do on the technology side, right? We need to modernize the system. Well, in order to modernize the system in timely fashion, right, because those are goals you set per quarter or, or on a semi-annual basis, whatever that may be, what do we need to do? Do we need to change the technology? Do we need to change our team? Do we need to change our process to be more effective, right? Do we need to change our price to reduce the number of defects that are coming in so we can focus on more new development? All those questions need to ask in support of that eventual goal that you're trying do to Do you support. often staff and- change separately than, you know, sort of the legacy, like you could imagine it like, Hey, let's build up the right thing over here, you know, in a different section of the company versus having to change each little piece of the, you know, the monolith, if you will, you're really like organizationalizing and conceptualizing microservices, you know, as your, as your org, you know, but, but there are, that's rife with problems as well. Yeah, so frankly, it depends, right? It depends a lot on the size of the team, on the skill of the team, and on the knowledge base, right? Because building something, and you've seen it many, many times again, uh, building something that with new people who have no knowledge about, no tribal knowledge, frankly, about how the system currently works, and very more often than not, very little documentation, right? And they build something 
to mimic it, right? And if you're doing a gap analysis and you end up with something Well, those work, two right? dangerous words of, uh, you yeah. know, feature parity. Yeah. Exactly. On the other hand, um, you also got to be mindful of your team itself, right? Because if you do have a team, you do have a team of strong engineers who are passionate, who are interested in learning, who are interested in evolving to a new process, to a new languages, to a new technology stack, right? You want to encourage that, right? You don't want to lose those people. Uh, but at the end of the day, it is a change and not everybody, well, no, nobody likes change really, but some people are much better at dealing with change. Than you, you make a good point about the tribal knowledge. I think that's the piece that very often gets missed in these types of initiatives. And it, and it has to do with organizational tribal knowledge and, uh, and also, you know, just the domain expertise that comes from years and years of like, you know, no one set out to do this in a janky, incorrect way. They set out to build a system at the time, knowing what they knew, given the resources they were given. And, uh, you know, just tearing it all down isn't or saying, wow, I can't believe, you know, when you look at a legacy code base, can't believe you did it that way. Like that was so dumb. Well, it was probably for a good reason that you just don't know anymore. And, uh, you know, that's that's the challenge. Right. But but we could all sit around and we could document forever and never do any work. And, you know, and that would be unconsumable. So, you know, like, I don't know. So before we, I mean, we did a, a masterful job there of cataloging all the things that are possibly a disaster. So let's, <laughs> let's go to some, some minutes uh, of talking about, you know, Hey, I'm up against this type of situation. I know I need to modernize, you know, one way or another, like it's time to move forward, digital transformation or not. I got to do stuff on a daily basis that matters. How do you distill that down into, you know, just the, the best first steps for, for people to think about? More businesses are in this situation than there are starting anew. Right. So, I mean, frankly, there's a couple of steps that you got to acknowledge before you even start. First of all, you got to acknowledge that there is already a problem. Right, because a lot of people um, wouldn't even admit it, right? It's a whole admittal phase, right? You talk to people, especially who's been in a legacy organization for many years, they are comfortable with where they are, right? They, they're just comfortable, right? It's complacency, like, let's be honest about it, right? So the conversation you have is like, look, we want to change this, we want to move to this, and the answer you get from them is, well, why? Right. We're better now. than we were yesterday or it works now. Right. And there is much resistance to change. Right. So one the first thing is to admit there is a problem. Right. Because otherwise, either you like as an expert wouldn't be there or there wouldn't be a call from an executive to do something. There is a problem. Right. Whether it's financial or a maintenance burden or something. Right. There is a problem. Uh, and the second thing is you got to understand what those problems are, right? So coming in saying, well, we're running a legacy and everything is crap, we're getting too many defects, right, is great. But if you don't have a tangible numbers to justify right. it, right, then you don't really know if it's bad or if it's worse or if it's actually better. Is that a monitoring so. question or like how do you, it's just like starting to capture yeah, data in any sense? Yeah, it, it is monitor is observability. It is generally a question of collecting metrics across the right. board. And uh, I'm a huge proponent, and I can talk about this for hours, about uh, measuring uh, from business down. So you understand when uh, how business is doing, right? And how the changes that you do within your team, within technology team, within technology process, within technology itself affect those those metrics, right? Does the revenue go up or down when you make performance improvements, right? When you release a new sprint, right? 
what is the value on the visitors or their perceived performance, right? All those affect the bottom line. At the end of this, bottom line for business is money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't matter how you manage it. You can manage it in the page views or you can manage it in the new users. Or you can manage it in the actual hardcore revenue. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's money. So understand where the problems lie, right? Whether it's, and for that, like value stream mapping, like I touched on before is important because you understand whether those problems that you can observe now, right, and measure, uh, I can are taken from the particular piece of the process, right? And you can optimize for that because really you cannot improve what you can. Is there a quick way for right. listeners to maybe, you know, just dive into value stream mapping? I mean, that's a whole discipline, but, you know, it just if, if there's some oh. interest there, you know, to take that holistic view during the design process, um, how does anybody even get into that? Uh, there's a lot of good materials of that. Um, uh, Franco, just go on and we'll give you a lot of good <laughs> definitions. But in, in essence, what it is, uh, you you go to the whiteboard and you define your process from uh, inception to delivery, right? So uh, you define those steps and then you measure individual efficiency. Of each so, step. It, so how long does it take from like uh, from a CEO to call product and say, hey, I have this great new idea. Let's put it to market because we need to get it done to when they put together the requirements so where that formalizes into like a functional requirements for the developers for how long it gets developed for what's the development process is actually, right? Because you're trying to go as a smaller component success. So how many times does a ticket come back from QA because uh, QA found bugs in it, right? That kind of thing. Uh, then how long it takes for it to be approved? How long does it take to be like regression? That's how long do they guess to get deployed, right? All those steps can be measured. Like I've seen a situation where literally the deployment process was contingent on one guy. And if he was out, uh, deployment wouldn't have for a week or two. Right. Oh, yeah. That, that happens all the time. And, and Right. I mean, that's right in uh, Phoenix, right? <laughs> yeah. right? There's one guy who sits there in the corner who's responsible for everything. So um, it's a hit by the bus mm-hmm. factor, right, that you've got. But even more so, like there are certain efficiencies, right? So you have... Overblower teams is one of the things I've seen. Like you have teams that are sending stand up uh, that are size of uh, 15 to 25 right. people, right? So it's your stand ups take uh, half an hour to 45 minutes and nobody actually gets a chance to do anything. And it's just a routine to put a checkbox saying we are following right. agile methodology, right? And there's a lot of things like that. Like there are a lot of knobs and buttons that you can adjust in order to optimize your process. To it, it makes me... It, it makes me think that you're striking on uh, such a good summation of why third-party consultants are not a waste of time. Because as a third-party, you can walk into that organization and notice and see those things in a way that nobody can when they're sitting inside the system. And- Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's funny. Um, I think me and you started talking around my talk about uh, biases in tech. Yeah. But one of those is, of course, we talked about a little bit about uh, comfort and complacency, right? I mean, it's a whole bandwagon effect, right? Even when you have new people coming into organizations, let's say, right, into existing teams, into mature teams, uh, and they come in with ideas and they look at it, it's like, oh, my God, why are we doing it this way? We should change, right? Why are we still running, like, uh, decommissioned version of Linux uh, kernels, right? Like, it's not supported anymore. It's And... People say, yeah, we know, we know it's on our list to fix. And after a certain time, you see a shift where the people who were so eager and excited when they started 
I get into the same mode saying, yeah, I know, but there's so many other issues that we need to address. So we'll just be there until there hasn't been a zero day. So just, just let it go until a hundred million records get hacked. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that, that's, that's the problem, right? There, there is a certain level of comfort, uh, the settles in and, uh, and frankly, in a lot of organizations, uh, technology team is not given an opportunity to see the larger picture, right? So I know I'm being harsh on our technology processes, but it spawns way outside it does, of technology, yeah, right? Yeah. Because if business units don't provide you the data or the guidance of what it is, right? If you don't understand the effect that your change has, has on the business, right? You don't know how to improve this, right? Again, you can improve what you can measure. And if you don't get those metrics, then you push out your code, kind of wash your hands and say it onto the Right, right. And if you don't feel supported, you know, it's just, well, I don't know. Nobody listens to me when I talk anyway, right? So you get this balkanization of, of IT and, you know, sort of the, the software and product and engineering functions. And uh, complacency doesn't just come from comfort it also comes from from discomfort i don't feel listened to and you know if if my organization is giving lip service to feedback but not taking it then you know you you can just go well you know it's it's easier for me to take my check and you know just kind of clock out at the end of the day and, and go play with my kids and and i think that stuff happens even with good intentions because organizations every every human you add to it it just becomes more complex and it's hard to keep everybody up to date on everything. Yeah. And Franco, to your point, um, that is why so often you see outside consultants uh, coming in on every level, right? So I've seen, uh, I'm personal, I've been brought in by uh, executives saying, hey, uh, can you come in and just sit down with our technology team and understand why we're not delivering as quickly as we want, why are we having such a high rate of defects, basically the assessment of what we're doing. And I've also had uh, VPs of technology and engineering asking, hey, can you come in and uh, look at it with the franchise and provide some feedback to our business units (laughs) saying, hey, yeah, exactly. This is like, look, we need to do this in order to- We've been screaming about this and and nobody will give us budget or, you know, or we do all new features and we don't work on tech debt. And- you know, yeah. Again, yeah. And it's funny enough, right, how it goes. Like, it all boils down to communication mm-hmm. because anecdotally, like, I've seen where the business would bring us in and completely in a hallway conversation, uh, a CFO asked me if in my investigations and dealing with the team, I found out why the financial reports weren't working for like, the past three weeks. And I've asked the team, technology team, and the answer was like, yeah, we heard about it, but it's lower than our priority mm-hmm. chain. Like, well, let me let me rephrase this question. If I told you that your paycheck depends on their report being run by finance, would it be higher on your priority than it is now? Right? Because right. that's the case. Well, yeah, and, and right. they're gonna hear from product and they're gonna hear from everybody, you know, it's like everybody wants everything, you know, all the time, right? So, you know, exactly. Well, but but the but the other yeah. way around is you're coming in and you're coming to product and a product or you're coming to CEO and say, look. You have this great vision, right? You have these goals. You want to increase sales by like 30% by the mm-hmm. end of this quarter, right? That's great. And your sales team is targeting, and that's fantastic. I can guarantee you that if you increase your traffic by 5%, the system will collapse right. without doing anything about it. So in order to achieve your goal, you can't do sure. that without the technical team actually yeah. doing some changes and improving what they do before you yeah. can do this. 
So there's a direct correlation between the two, and uh, it is bidirectional. So, I, man, you know, we're, we're going to run out of time here. So, you know, it might be the summation is, you know, just do all the things at the same time. Try to balance, you know, good luck. This is hard. And, um, you know, but but set out every day with um, if I if I could summarize, I think it's, you know, like build a trustful and communication heavy organization and, uh, you know, put on your listening hat you know, no matter where you are, because yeah. it's, uh, it's important. And, uh, the feedback, you know, will come through and, um, put the hard work into, you know, spending a couple of days at the whiteboard and setting priorities and making sure everybody's on yeah. the same page. Yeah. Look, you're right. It, it's not easy. If it was easy when, well, we wouldn't have these right. problems. Right. And especially it's more prevalent in organizations already have the established mm-hmm. processes, right. That are very slow to move and change them. But at the end of the day, uh, approach it as a goal-driven exercise, right? You have goals that you got to reach, right? And your goal has got to support overall mm-hmm. business goals, right? So approach it from that perspective. So everything you do and everywhere you try to focus your efforts, measure it against that, right? How will it support my goals and eventually like organizational goals, right? You set up your OKRs. I don't know if everybody's familiar with OKRs, which is Objective Key Results Measurements. Uh, you said those up, and I know they sound extremely corporate, but effectively what they are is is a benchmarks for you to gauge your priorities, right, and your effort. Because you can't OKRs, I think, came right, from working at Google. Is that right? Did, did they, uh, I forget who kicked uh, that off, but yeah, I forgot what it came on. But effectively, like you gotta, you got you gotta measure something. I can't stress right. this enough, right? But you also gotta focus on something that's gonna bring the largest impact to because whatever you measure right? will get managed. So <laughs> measure the right things. Exactly. Exactly. Excellent. Exactly. Well, so, Leon, uh, yeah. good spending time with you. Man. Great, great insights. And uh, I look forward to the next chapter once you uh, have some more stories to tell. Anytime. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, Head over to gun.io slash podcast to get in touch and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.